You have a podcast. I say you have a podcast. Yes, Effendi. Are you a podcaster? Yes, Effendi. How many shows? 92, Effendi, I think. You look like a movie reviewer. You've had a lot of experience. It's an interesting profession. I'm surrounded by cattle. He wouldn't know an interesting profession from a sow's belly. I've been reviewing films for three and a half years. If they posted me to the dark side of the moon, I could not be more isolated. You haven't the least idea what I'm talking about. Jason, I'm really uncomfortable recreating this scene from Lawrence of Arabia. Stick to the script. (laughs) This blonde wig itches. Steve! I mean, no offendy. Where did you get that movie? It's old, Effendi. You're going to review a classic film? No, Effendi, I feel dirty. Yes, yes you are, but which one? Lawrence of Arabia? A man cannot always be in uniform. Okay, I'm done. Look, I'm sorry, I just got carried away by the movie. It's okay. I know how excited. Your skin is very fair. That's it, I'm starting the show. My mother mated with a scorpion. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Late Seating. I am Jason Harding. And I am Steve Shives. And on this show, we take a classic movie and give it a fresh review to see if it lives up to its reputation, whether that reputation is good or bad. And this time around, the reputation is good. Wouldn't you say so, Steve? <laughs> oh, yup. <laughs> and boy, it we needed a good, good. Yes, we needed a good reputation movie because holy shit, guys. <laughs> Yeah, we've had a run. We've had a run of bad. And, uh, and yeah. <laughs> So this time around, we decided we're going to take a, like, a true classic. Something that has like 100% on the movie review aggregators. Oh, yeah. Right? One of those movies that if you, if you just mention the title to a mm-hmm. movie critic, they, they look off in the distance and their eyes kind of glaze over and a slight smile creeps That's across right. their face and they're just like, oh, Lawrence. If you mention this movie to Steven Spielberg, oh. he has to go have an alone moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He can't he can't finish the conversation until no, he, he finishes something else. <laughs> oh, oh, boy, are we really starting the show? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you know what? It's such a classy movie. Why don't we just make it the least classy review we possibly can? <laughs> Hey, Steve, what movie are we going to review this time around? We are going to review that classic, historical, epic Lawrence of Arabia. I hope you said historic with quotation marks around it. Historic, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Historic. (laughs) That's even better. All right, well, great. Lawrence of Arabia, Steve. There's uh-huh. no trivia for this movie, right? Yeah, nobody even really cares about it. Yeah, no one uh, wrote anything down. They nah. didn't have any problems. No records right. about the production. No, nothing. Um, actually, so, okay, <laughs> I have I have three little pieces of trivia that I all think are, are all very interesting. The first is that uh, to film uh, the entrance of Omar Sharif's character, which is one of the great entrances in cinema... The most uh, fantastic, one of the best ones ever filmed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They David Lean uh, had to use a specially made lens to get that shot and to get that effect that where it looks like he's like emerging from a mirage yeah. and uh, that incredibly wide shot with his his shape sort of coming into focus in the middle. Um, they used a four hundred eighty two millimeter lens. Holy crap! 
that is still known today as the David Lean lens, both because it was used for that famous shot and also because it hasn't been used since. No, so, because, yeah. They created this amazing lens for this shot, and then they're like, well, we're mm-hmm. not going to use this for anything else. Um, also, slight, a slightly dubious honor for this for this movie, it is uh, supposedly the longest film ever made not to have any dialogue spoken by a woman. So not only does yeah. it not only does it not pass the Bechdel test, it didn't even take it. It just said, "Nah, <laughs> never mind, forget it." Um, There's I, not even a named female character. No, it's um, it's it's all about the boys, and and you can take that in a couple but of different also, ways. But also, let's kind of let's kind of face facts. I don't think that there was a the story that they're telling. I don't think there was a predominant female character, unless no. Hollywood did the old the old fashioned thing of giving Lawrence a love story. <laughs> right. Well, what about Ali? They gave him a love story. Okay. <laughs> um, anyway, and and one last thing, and this is one of the the parts of sort of the the epic lore of this film. Um, uh-huh. the, the movie is uh, over three hours long. It's over three and a half hours long. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's a long movie. But even so, it took an exceptionally long time to shoot. Principal photography for Lawrence of Arabia took over 16 months to yep. complete. And the vast majority of that took place on location in Jordan and Morocco and Spain. There was also some shooting on sound stages at Pinewood Studios in England. But most of it yeah. was shot on location. So even for a film this long... 16 months is a just an absurdly long time for principal photography. So they also started filming without a finished script. Yeah. So a lot of the dialogue stuff that was going to take place on a sound stage, they finished that up while they were out in the desert farting around. <laughs> all right. Well, um, I don't really have any trivia for this thing. Not really. You took it all. It's such an obscure film, you know? I mean, it's just, you know, I mean, there was a little bit of backlash from people in the Middle East who yes, there was. thought that the depiction of their people and cultures was perhaps a bit bad, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, other than that, and not having any women in it, it's, it's a classic film, and it'll live forever, right? So they say. Right. So, so let's get to the who mades it. Let's do Ready? it. Ready? Okay, it was directed by David Lean. David Lean, this is like the third in his I'm making an epic trilogy of movies. <laughs> Yes. Which, which started with Bridge Over the River Kwai, my favorite out of these three, actually. And then this one, Lawrence, mm. good old Larry Rabia. <laughs> and then the last one, a movie that I have never seen because I have no interest in seeing it, and that's Dr. Zhivago. Ah, uh, yes. Which, when I say I've never seen it and have no interest in seeing it, nails my fucking feet to the floor, doesn't it, audience? <laughs> that we're going to wind up reviewing it someday. <laughs> It was produced by Sam Spiegel, screenplay by Robert Bolt, who um, also uh, was mostly a playwright um, and also wrote uh, Dr. Zhivago. Um, It was also written by Michael Wilson, who uh, wrote uh, Bridge Over the River Kwai, and another little movie that Steve and I don't really like that much, Planet of the Apes. Oh, yeah, that movie. Yeah, Eh. we're joking. Go back and listen to our Planet (laughs) of the Apes review. It was based on, as in, I think they saw the cover of the book, <laughs> by, <laughs> it was based on Seven Pillars of Wisdom by T.E. Lawrence. That's what they put in the, in the credits. Yeah. Um, but it was also based on a ton of other stuff. They just only credited that, that work, right? Yeah. yeah. 
Okay, and it stars Peter O'Toole as T.E. Lawrence. Hey, Steve. Yeah. How tall was T.E. Lawrence in real life? Oh, I believe he was 5'5". Five, five. And how tall is Peter O'Toole? <laughs> Isn't he like 6'4"? He's yeah, yep, way he was taller. nine yeah. inches taller than the real T.E. Lawrence. Yeah. Uh, you know. Well, they went through a lot of people before um, they decided. Do you know who they wanted and offered this part to? I know one of them was Albert Finney. Yeah, Albert Finney yeah. was actually the lead choice. And boy, this movie would be interesting with Albert Finney in it, especially <laughs> yeah. that young. Yeah. Um, but they also considered and offered to Marlon Brando, Montgomery okay. Clift, Alec Guinness, who is in this movie as a different role, and but also had played Lawrence in uh, uh, stage play, and Anthony Perkins. Oh, that would have been interesting. No, one, I can't picture Anthony Perkins. I mean, I can't, part. I can't picture him. But I mean, they could have done like he had he, he he his looks were good enough in the early '60s that they could have done something similar as to the way they you know the way they shot Peter O'Toole in this to make him you know like yeah. Florence of Arabia. <laughs> That's no oh, no coward. Explain said that. the quote. That's a bit of trivia. Come on. No, no coward said that. No coward saw the movie and said if if Peter O'Toole had been any prettier, then you would have had to call it Florence of Arabia. That's right. Yeah. Also starring Alec Guinness as Prince Faisal. Um, yes, he is in brownface. Yes, he there is. There are a number of notable roles in this in which people are in brownface. However, there are also a number of roles in here played by people from actually that area. Yes. So it's it's kind of an interesting balance. And I don't know if this was just flat out, we're getting white people to play him, which was pretty common back in the time. And now people are saying, hey, you guys ripped Mickey Rooney, a new one. For playing that Japanese guy, and I'm gonna, I'll, I'll give you guys this little bit of a difference. Megaroni was playing a gross, obscene caricature <laughs> that was meant to be funny. Yeah, and these guys aren't doing that. That yet. <laughs> yes, they're still white guys, but yeah. at least um, from everything that I've read. Um, Alec Guinness went out of his way to try to look as much like Prince Faisal as humanly possible with his makeup and everything else. Um, do you know who they originally offered this role to? Uh, I don't know. Who would they originally offer my favorite, to? Uh, my favorite actor, Lawrence Olivier. Ah, Larry Olivier could have been in Larry Arabia. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony Quinn as Aud Abu Tayi. Um, another real person from real life, and Anthony Quinn wanted to look so much like this guy that he applied his own makeup. Oh, wow. And I didn't would, know that. Yeah, and would adjust it and adjust it and adjust it to try to get to look as much like this guy as possible. Seen a picture of the guy, and yep, he got pretty <laughs> damn close. <laughs> um, Jack Hawkins as General Allenby. Now, do you know who they wanted to get to play General Allenby? Cary uh, Grant. Cary Grant. That would have been interesting. But he was busy, so then they offered it again to Lawrence Olivier. <laughs> I say, Lawrence, what are you doing here? <laughs> was it just one meeting where they said, how would you like to play Prince Faisal? No. How about General Allenby? No. <laughs> <laughs> Omar Sharif, in his first big movie, right? Uh, his first big movie in the West, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. yeah. He was a he was a pretty popular actor in Egypt prior to this, yeah. And then uh, this was his first big movie. Um, Alec Guinness actually sat down and spoke with Omar Sharif um, to pick up the accent, so that his accent is pretty much just him imitating Omar Sharif. 
in the movie. Um, this is when a lot of ladies went, I like him. Yeah. Hey, who's that guy? <laughs> He's so dreamy. But he plays uh, uh, Sharif Ali. Um, and he's this character is not a real person from history. He's yeah. kind of an amalgamation of several different people. Jose Ferrer as the Turkish Bay. Now, the existence of this person is in contention. We don't know <laughs> if this actually happened or not. As in a lot of stuff that it comes to uh, Lawrence of Arabia, very few people in history, especially modern history, has so much up in the air in regards to this character. He, it's, he had lots of biographers and lots of people writing about him, but no one ever seemed to know who this guy was. Yeah. And in his book, he said that he got tr- captured by this guy, Turkish Bay. We don't know if Jose Ferrer is doing a good job, but here's the thing. He wanted $25,000 to play the role of the Turkish Bey, which was more than Peter O'Toole and Omar Sharif were making for this movie combined. Yeah. Oh, but wait, he's not done. He also wanted a Porsche. (laughs) (laughs) And he's in the movie for like five minutes. Yeah, he's in the movie for five minutes. He considers it his greatest um, film uh, screen acting role. He changed his mind because he didn't like it at first. He didn't like the part. Yeah. And then he changed his mind. So, oh, yeah. Know. After people saw the movie and said, and said it was a classic, all of a sudden he was like, you know, yeah, I think that was like, my favorite it. role. <laughs> I should have asked for more. <laughs> um, Anthony Quayle is Colonel Harry Brighton. Claude Rains, our favorite, yes. as Mr. Dryden. Arthur Kennedy as Jackson Bentley. Uh, that part was offered to Kirk Douglas. Oh, wow. And he turned it down. Or, actually, I don't think he could do it. Um, which is unfortunate, because it would have been nice to have old Kirk Douglas huffing and wheezing <laughs> and trying to ask questions after Peter O'Toole. <laughs> so why the desert? <laughs> what is it that attracts you to the desert? You know, there's no discernible difference between <laughs> your Kirk Douglas and your Clint Eastwood. No, <laughs> that's because I'm a really bad impressionist. Please, please do a conversation between Kirk Douglas and Clint Eastwood right now. (laughs) Hi, Clint. How's it going? It's going really good, Kirk. How are you? Excuse me. (laughs) It's Jack Palance. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, come on, let's go. We've got 900 more names to get through. It's a cast of thousands. D- Donald Wolfett as General Murray, Michael Ray as Farage, I.S. Yohar as Gassim, Zia Mohendin as Tafas, Gamil Ratib as Majib, Majid, which was dubbed by uh, Robert Rieti because, no, he, no, the English was not good. <laughs> we can't really understand you, Majid. <laughs> John uh, Demick as Daoud. Hugh Miller as the RAMC colonel, Fernando Sancho as the Turkish sergeant, Stuart Sanders as the regimental sergeant major, Jack Gwillem as the club secretary, Kenneth Fortescue as uh, Allenby's aide, Harry Fowler as Corporal Potter, Howard Marion Crawford as the medical officer, John Ruddock as Elder Harith, Norman Rossington as Corporal Jenkins, Jack Headley as a reporter, Henry Oscar as Siliam, Peter Burton as a Damascus sheik. Boy, that's boy, that's that'll look great on his resume. He'd say, I was in Lawrence of Arabia. Oh, who are you? I was a Damascus sheik. 
Music by Maurice Jarre. Cinematography by F.A. Young. Edited by Ann V. Coates. Production company Horizon Pictures. Distributed by Columbia Pictures. Release date December 10th, 1962. Running time 222 minutes. Budget 15 million pounds. I don't know how much that is in real money. <laughs> it's that play British money. <laughs> Box office... 70 million. Um, one little footnote on the edited by Anne V. Coates. Mm. This is considered one of the most perfectly edited movies ever produced. Yes. People go to this to watch the editing. And by the way, I agree with that. This is one of the best edited movies I've ever seen in my life. Oh, so definitely. C- congratulations, Anne. You, you deserve a lot more credit. <laughs> like you should be up at the top with the other jerks. Who kind of cobbled this movie together? <coughs> okay, that's it. That's it. We're ready. Let's put on. Come on, let's get a native dress. Okay, okay. That'd be great. I'm gonna carry a dirk and I'm gonna put this sword on and I'm put this gun here so I can shoot a guy later and be real conflicted about it, but enjoy myself. <laughs> let's get on a camel. Okay. Lots of camels in this movie. So many camels. Riding on camels hurts my bottom. Well, then put a piece of foam rubber underneath oh, it. Oh, that's, that's a good idea. Peter O'Toole did. By the way, Peter O'Toole complained about how comfortable it was riding a camel, went off, bought a piece of foam rubber, and stuck it under his saddle when he was riding in the shots. Yeah. Then all of the other people who ride camels every day saw him do that and went, oh, that's a good idea. <laughs> they all ran off and did it. So you can see foam rubber sticking up underneath the saddles when people are riding. Oh, and by the way, <laughs> people still do it in the Middle East to this day. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. O'Toole. <laughs> he can die, happy in the knowledge that he helped out so many bottoms. <laughs> I think he would be very happy about that. I think it would put a smile on his old drunken face. Is he dead? <laughs> He's dead, yeah. Oh, okay, on his old drunken corpse. On his, well, I mean, depending on how far decomposition has gone, he might look like he's smiling now. <laughs> Stop! Uh. <laughs> All right. There's that famous O'Toole smile. Oh, wait, no, he's just rotting. <laughs> Come on, let's go into the desert. Let's Let's do it. Let's fight us some Turks. (laughs) (laughs) And run into the world of Florence of Arabia. Steve, Mm -hmm. take it away. Well, David Lean sends us racing into this epic film with an opening credit sequence that takes place over a static shot of a guy fixing a motorcycle. You forgot something. What did I forgot? This isn't an epic movie from the 1960s unless we have a two and a half minute oh, overture. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yes, there's an Where overture. you just sit in the dark and listen to the music. Yeah. Remember these themes so you'll recognize them when they come back. So you can turn to your wife and say, this better not become a thing in Hollywood or I swear to God I'm going to leave the next time I'm sitting here in the dark for two and a half li- minutes listening to music. It's it's last it's last second P music. If you sit down and you get settled, then <laughs> you realize... Last second P music? <laughs> and you realize you have to go to the bathroom, you can get up and go before the movie properly starts. Well, if it's a really good theater, they keep the audio playing in the bathroom. Well, there you go. I've been in many theaters where they continue to play the audio so that you don't really miss anything if you have to jump up in the middle of the movie to go pee-pee. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird listening to a famous person talk to you while you're peeing, (laughs) but, you know. Depending on which scene you get up during in this movie, it could be very weird. (laughs) Last time I remember it was Predator. I think that was it. Turn around. Anyway. Uh, (laughs) 
Anyway, yes, we have an overhead shot of a driveway. Yeah. And I'm kind of like, um, I thought this was like a desert movie. <laughs> but you know what? It shows a motorcycle, and it's got happy, jolly music. Yes, it does. Right? And I'm like, oh boy, this movie's going to be a fun-filled romp. <laughs> yep. Oh, wait. <laughs> Turns out, not so much. <laughs> So what happened? So uh, the, we see it's an overhead shot of, of Lawrence, as it turns out. We don't necessarily know that at the beginning, but uh, no. he's working on his motorcycle, and he gets on, and he goes off uh, for a ride on his motorcycle through the countryside. Mm. And he's riding, and he's riding, and he's riding, and he's riding on his motorcycle for about... He's, getting, he's going progressively faster and faster. He's going really fast. The camera's shaking, mm-hmm. and it, it takes like an hour and a half. And then eventually... It doesn't take an hour and a half it's a, it's, if, if you're an attentive viewer, and you don't get bored because they stay on the same shot, and you're not paying attention. He rides a motorcycle attention. forever and ever, and then he sees, he sees some kids riding bikes up ahead Steve's of him. And head lolls back and goes, why, Jason, why? <laughs> and he stomps <laughs> off to make a sandwich. Which comes back, he's still riding the motorcycle. Oh, oh, now I see why this is three and a half hours. Um, but anyway, so he's he and he see he sees kids riding on bikes up ahead of him, and they're crossing over mm-hmm. into his lane. So he swerves to to miss them and rides off off road and tumbles and goes flying. And, and that's, kills. He gets killed. He's dead. He's dead. We get a nice shot of his of his goggles hung in the, Which, the branches of the tree. By the way, may be the only historically accurate part of this movie. <laughs> that is how he died. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um. So now we cut to his funeral. And he's got a nice bust up there. Yeah. And pe- people are walking around, coming out of the funeral. And I'm surprised they didn't show Winston Churchill, because Winston Churchill did attend his funeral. Yeah. And they're talking to people, and he's like, what do you think of him? And he's like, well, I thought he was a jolly good chap. Did you ever meet him? I don't even know where I am right now. <laughs> what, who are we talking about? <laughs> I think it's drink o'clock. Goodbye. <laughs> I love D.H. He... Lawrence. <laughs> And what the basic idea is is that there's a lot of people who have a lot of different opinions about the dude. Right. Some people right. think he was great. Some people think he was just like a self-promoting douchebag. And, well, yeah. which person thinks he's a self-promoting douchebag? The rude American reporter. That's right. That's he's right. Like, well, I met him, and I think he's a gigantic horse's ass. He compares him to uh, Barnum and Bailey. Yeah. Or to, to P.T. Barnum. Yeah. And some British guy goes, you bounder, I'll, I'll knock your plug off. I, I shook his hand once. I didn't know him, but I shook his hand. I've never washed it since, yeah. see? See? There's flies coming off it. <laughs> <laughs> they say I'm crazy. <laughs> <laughs> now we cut two. To, uh, what, 30 years earlier or something like that? 20 years yeah. earlier? Yeah, the, during the uh, the First World War. And we're in Cairo yeah. at the, a British mm-hmm. Army outpost. And uh, yep. young Lawrence is here. He's a lieutenant in the British Army. Yeah, and he's uh, painting a map yeah. of Middle Earth. <laughs> Nerd. Or someplace. Actually, if you're paying attention, unlike Steve, because he was asleep by this point. I was drooling. We were- <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> He's actually painting detail around the port city of Aqaba, which becomes yeah. important later in the film. And we kind of glanced over a whole bunch of shit that he did prior to this, but we kind of get yeah. the idea that he's bored and he wants to do stuff and he's he's got a pretty uh, good idea of who he is and he's a little... Everyone keeps saying, he's balmy! 
<laughs> and he likes burn. He likes burning himself. Yeah, there's one of the famous scenes from the movie happens right here where he's you know he's holding the match until it burns his fingers, and the uh, yeah. the one of his other you know people in the room with him says, "How do you do that? What's the trick?" And he says, "The trick is not minding that it hurts." Yeah, and the other trick is being a bit of a masochist, which is also kind of maybe actually <laughs> accurate about him. Yeah. <laughs> After after the events in this movie, he actually hires someone to beat him on a regular basis. <laughs> I just found that I missed it. <laughs> so what we basically get is that he's an in- attention-seeking, vain, bored jerk. Yeah, very full of himself. That also doesn't follow. It doesn't really follow orders, right? Right. Yeah, he's sort of. He's not looked on all that favorably by his commanders. They're just like, oh, you know, Lawrence. He's undisciplined. Doesn't salute, yeah. doesn't... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But they've decided that he's going to go out and meet up with Prince Faisal, right? Right, because there's this is during what was known as the Arab Revolt in the First World War, where the, the Arabs were revolting against Ottoman rule, and they were fighting the Turks, and Prince Faisal is the leader of this large group uh, that, are, that are fighting the Turks. Right, exactly. And he's like, blah, blah, blah. Lawrence, you're going to go out there and you're going to meet Prince Faisal and you're going to be a good boy, right? And he goes, yeah, sure. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> and then cue one of the most famous transition cuts ever in a movie, ever. Right, Steve? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where they show uh, it's it's uh, Lawrence about to blow out a match as it burns down towards his fingers. And the minute he, he blows on the match, we get a cut to a sunrise over the desert. Yep. Right? Yep. Beautiful. It's pretty. It's very pretty. I'm going to say it right now. This is one of the best best framed movies I've ever seen. This is one of those movies where you can sit down and learn how to frame a shot and also put details in a shot that complement the ending of the movie to the beginning of yeah. the movie. Oh yeah, there's um, there's just a an, an incredible amount of of detail that went into the to the visuals. Um, Lean yeah. didn't shoot for coverage. No, he shoots on purpose. Yeah, he shoots on purpose. Oh yeah, he's like. You know, okay. Well, a little bit behind, a little bit of inside baseball, guys. If you're shooting for coverage, that means that anybody, a producer, business executives, can come in and say, "No, don't use that. Use this. Use that over right. there. Use this." Lean only shot what he wanted to shoot because he already knew what he wanted on the screen, and so when right. he was all done shooting, executives can't go in and say, "Use that other thing and put it there." He was going to get what he wanted. Right, exactly. No coverage. Well, and, and yeah, and also it gives it's one of the reasons why the movie has such a distinctive look is yeah. because he wasn't yeah. shooting a lot of times even even great directors will shoot for mm-hmm. coverage first and then they'll go back and get like their favorite shots. So you you know, if you see like a sort of a a basic or a generic shot of a mm-hmm. of, you know back and forth in a conversation or something that's it's not where the where the director is expressing his artistic vision it's just like oh, okay people are having yeah. a conversation so we'll use we'll him, use this as a, I'll use use this as an example in the prior scene before he goes and gets his orders he's in a basement the majority of that scene is one shot yeah that, yeah right? yeah there's almost I don't it, there's no there's no coverage yeah. he did not shoot anybody else talking it's Lawrence on the Lawrence on the right hand side of the screen yeah three other guys crowded onto the other side of the screen everyone talks they have their business and and then that shot's over with so that there is no there's no cross cutting right right um normally you would shoot the what you would do is you would shoot the the main the what they call the uh the master the the master shot which has everybody and then you would break off and do coverage on everybody else to get reactions or whatever else right risky yeah yeah and and no 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 early close-up of the of the hero no, you know, none at yeah. all. 
None at all. Yeah. Uh, we get plenty later. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> anyway, you guys might be thinking, why are you doing this so early? Because it's an important part of this fucking movie. In fact, it's the most it's probably important more important than the fucking story in this movie. Yeah, it's it's I I would definitely say that it's it's the most important part. Yeah. Mm hmm. Anyway, so he goes out, and, and I'm like, this is more like it. Desert. This is the desert. <laughs> there's camels. There's sweeping music. He's got his his guide Tafas with him, yeah. and they bond over food. Yeah. And, and um, he gives him a gun that he'll never regret. No, no. Here, <laughs> take this, my friend. And he's like, no, later when I get you there. No, take it now. It's really important for the next scene that you take it now. Uh huh. <laughs> and um, we're like, yay! Toughus is great. They'll be besties forever. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. And then they go out into the desert, this large flat part of the desert, and they come on a well. Yeah. And Toughus is like, oh, this is so and so's well. We're not supposed to be drinking from it. We're going to drink from it anyway. Otherwise, we'll probably die or something. Yeah. And then cue the next most famous shot in this movie. <laughs> yes, this is the the, the uh, great entrance of Omar Sharif as mm. Sharif Ali, who comes riding comes in from the in horizon. As, as he appears out of a mirage. Yeah, yeah. Now, um, people told Lee, you can't film a mirage, it's impossible. They literally told him to his face, and he's like, no, I can. And when he figured out he could do it, they did it. I don't think a mirage, an actual mirage, appears in any other movie prior to this one. Simply because, number one, filming on location wasn't a big thing back in the day. No, especially not in the middle of the goddamn desert. <laughs> and also, the the idea that you would try to capture a natural phenomenon like that is too risky for most studios, so they'd be like, no, we can't, no. And when he saw it, and they uh, did a lot of other things. They changed the desert floor so that your eye is drawn to the, to the dot in the, yeah. in the, in the background. It's so perfectly framed, and it builds tension. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And absolutely. And then it goes on for a little long, and you get a little bored, and you're like, what's going on? And then, pow! Gunshot! <laughs> Toffus panics and grabs the gun, and as soon as he grabs the gun and aims it towards the approaching person, he gets shot, and he's dead. Yep. Right? And then up comes Omar Sharif, and he's like, Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. Your friend was pointing a gun at me. I just had to take care of business. Yeah. Who are you? <laughs> and, and he belongs to a tribe that we don't like, and they're not supposed to be drinking from our wells, and he knew that, and so he's been shot. Right. And, and Lawrence is a little butthurt about the whole thing. Yeah, I don't know why you had to murder my friend. You're kind of an asshole. We're, we're gonna never going to be you're, friends. You're a bunch of barbaric savages. I hate you. I hate you. I hate you. Yeah. And um, Omar Sharif is super polite, even when he's being insulted to his face. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and so he's like, all right, well, if you're not going to come with me, bye. <sighs> Next day, we're having fun with echoes. <laughs> yes, he's singing against these, these great cliffs and listening to his own voice come back at him. And that's when we meet who, Steve? That's when we meet Colonel Brighton. Yes, also known as Colonel Stuffy Britishman. Yes, oh, you must be Lawrence, hello. No, Lawrence, I have a low opinion of all these people, and I, and you just, here's what you do, you just shut up and just shut up. Yeah. yeah just yeah. be quiet. He basically tells him to keep his mouth shut, write whatever report he's been sent to write, and then just go home. Get, yeah, yeah, fuck off, you don't know what you're doing. 
Um, but as they're riding up to the camp, what happens, Steve? There is an attack from airplanes. There, the, the Bedouin camp where Prince Faisal and his people are is being bombed by uh, by the Turks. Yeah, yeah. a couple of airplanes and they're like bang, 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 and they're like ah, and they're like bang, bang, bang. And the guy's like, I told them they needed to move further south, right? Yeah, but these they think they know. These Bedouins think they know everything about the desert. They wouldn't mm-hmm. listen to me. How dare they? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, they don't understand what modern military equipment can do. And it's like, yeah, because they were living in the Dark Ages, not more than, you know, they weren't really... You guys developed, while they were off in the desert, you guys were developing new and exciting ways to kill people, and they're not prepared for that. Right. Anyway, though, that's when we meet um, Prince Faisal. Yes. And he's like, very well, we'll go. We'll move camp. And so they move camp. And uh, is that when Lawrence picks up? No, he doesn't pick up groupies yet. Not No, no, it's after that, I think, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And we have a sit-down in the tent, and um, Prince Faisal is saying stuff, and then um, he doesn't, uh, Lawrence doesn't obey orders again. No, no, he's supposed to just keep his mouth shut, and he actually, not only does he speak up, but he contradicts Brighton's advice. Yep. And he's like, well, what would you do? And he's like, I've got to go wander around the desert and think about it for a long time. That is when he picks up the groupies. Okay, yeah, right. Because when they're, they're on they're their way, when, when they're on the way to the camp, yeah, they're with him when he he's out up, having his when he's yeah. meditating or whatever. Yeah, they're like, hey, how are you doing? And they're like trying to bum cigarettes or something. They want to be his servants or something like that. Yeah. And then uh, he figures out what he wants to do, and he comes back and he says, "We're going to attack Aqaba," and everyone goes, "Right, <laughs> sure, okay." Sure we will. And he's like, no, we're going to attack Aqaba from the land because Aqaba is a seaside town and they have armored uh, munitions facing out to sea to fight any kind of a navy. But behind the the, the town is just nothing but desert. And Lawrence is like, we're going to cross that impossible to cross desert and attack it from that side. We're going to cross the Nafud Desert. The one that no one's ever crossed before. And we're going to do it. And they're like, great plan. He convinces um, Sharif, yeah, and they can't take. The, he, they were not going to take the entire army. They're only going to take fifty people, right? And he's like, "What happens when we get there? The fifty people against Aqaba?" And he said, "You know, people will join us once we get over there, right?" Yeah, and, and I, I, and like, I don't know. <laughs> well, and doesn't uh, doesn't Ali mention the um, the Hawitat tribe? Like he says, yeah, the Hawitat yeah, tribe. He says they'll be they'll be nearby, and and but they're mercenaries. But Lawrence is like, well, maybe we can convince them to join us. So they have like a exactly. rough plan of what they're going to do, right? So they're going to sneak out at night, and then it turns out that. Um, that the prince knows about it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, fine, go. I don't care. Whatever. <laughs> Leave. It'll be nice if you do it. Yeah. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of really great shots in that in that whole... There's a lot of really great shots in the movie, guys. Yeah. But I'm going to highlight one before I forget it because I'm old and stupid. <laughs> when they're talking about how uncertain everything is and how Prince Faisal needs a miracle... There's this great shot of him standing in his tent, and the winds are blowing outside, so the whole tent is kind of shifting Mm -hmm. back and forth, which, to me, indicates just how uncertain his future is, because he's just kind of standing there looking a a little troubled. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, it's Show, don't tell. It's a beautiful shot. Show, show don't tell. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, (laughs) I mean, it's true. In, In a lesser film, they could have had a supporting character come up and be like, 
You look troubled, Lawrence. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's Prince Faisal standing there. As though you're... As his entire... Oh, his, right, native, yeah. his world is kind of, like, out of balance and kind of off-kelter. And he, the future is uncertain and... So, uh, then they go to a uh, watering hole, yeah. an oasis, and it turns out the groupies are there, and a guy named uh, Gassim catches them, and he's like, they can't come with us, and Lawrence is like, sure, I like endangering kids. Yeah, I'll take, so I'll he, take responsibility for them, they seem kind of into mm-hmm. me. Nothing bad will ever happen to them. No, of course They'll not. They'll be besties forever. They'll live forever, <laughs> or at least till the end of the film. <laughs> so then they get the water and then they cross the Nafu Desert a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They get to this one part and he's like, see that out there? That's death. Death is right there. We're crossing it at night because it's death. <laughs> death will come if the sun comes up and we're on that. Yeah. We die. And Lawrence says, this is not the part where he says, well, how long will it take? And Ali's like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, we have to cross it before daylight. Well, can we make it? I don't know. <laughs> well, who knows? I, I, let's let's find but, out. Th- thankfully, they, they call it the Sun's Anvil. Yeah. And they get across and they're like, whoo, yay, we're off the Sun's Anvil. We did it. And they look over and, uh-oh, Gassim has fallen off of his camel yeah. at some point. And he's off, in, off on the sun's anvil. Yep. And Lawrence is like, we got to go back for him. And Sharif is like, no. Hey, sucks to be if, him. If, if we go out there, all 50 of us are going to die. And he's like, he said, no, it's, his fate is sealed. It is written. And you're going to hear this a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and he says, nothing is written except in here. And he points to his head. And then he rides off on his camel all by himself. Yep. One of his servants stays at the edge of the anvil to wait for him. And then um, we see uh, Gossam trying to cross the anvil. Right. And and the sun really hates Gossam. <laughs> <laughs> Every time we see the sun, it gets angrier and angrier. <laughs> and then we're pretty sure that everybody's dead, right? We're pretty sure that he died trying to get Gossam, and Gossam's dead and everything else, right? Yeah, yeah, we keep cutting back to, to one of his servants like sitting there mm-hmm. waiting for him and yeah it gets it, it seems like okay it's been long enough they're dead mm-hmm. but and, but then <laughs> yeah he sees him he did it yeah he did it yay and they ride back to camp and everybody's happy and Lawrence is like I told you I could do it <laughs> and then uh, him and Sharif later on have a little talk and uh, he says ah my dad's. I'm a bastard. My dad never married my mom, because they start calling him El Lawrence. Yeah, right. And he says that it's a better name. And Sharif is like, "Then you, because you should be able to take any name you want." And he's like, "Whatever. I'm going to cry now." And and <laughs> then Sharif burns all of his clothes. Not his own clothes. He burns Lawrence's clothes. <laughs> yeah. And then they, and then they give him a new wardrobe. Yeah. So he so Lawrence Arabia is gone totally native, right? Right. Then he gets on a camel and he rides off, and they're all kind of laughing at him behind his back. Yeah, like look at the guy, look at him. And he turns around and waves, and they all cheer. And then he rides around a corner and has a a, a moment of uh, of uh, what is it? Vanity. I would yeah yeah. He sort of revels yeah. in it. He like he's prancing around yeah. in his new Arab robes. And... He looks at himself in the reflection of his dirk and. Uh, somebody else is watching him. Oh, oh. 
Who's what kind of guy do you not want to see you mincing and prancing around in your robes, pretending that it's a cape? Maybe. What's what's the least? Who do you not want to see you acting that way? Maybe maybe an imposing Arab warlord, <laughs> <laughs> played by Anthony Quinn. <laughs> That's right. Also, my favorite character in the movie, yeah, yeah. Al- Alda Abu Tayy. Mm-hmm. And um, he's like, "Who are those? Who are those bastards drinking out of my <laughs> drinking out of my well?" And he calls for backup, who is his five-year-old son. <laughs> I'm still teaching him. Uh-huh. And uh, what I, what I, he rides up. They almost get in a fight. He gets convinced to invite them over to his camp in Wadaram for dinner. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So they, they all go to Wadaram, where, as near as I can tell, they communicate with pistols, because they, like, shoot. <laughs> they shoot to indicate that they're there. They shoot a greeting back. Yeah. Everyone's shooting. <laughs> oh, that's three shots in a row. Dessert. Everybody. It's mm-hmm. dessert. Yeah. Yeah. And so then they have dinner, and Anthony Quinn is like, I take money from the Turks, but I give it all to my people because he has an infamous line from this movie, which is what, Dave? Not infamous, famous. Yeah, is it uh, to my people I am a river? Um, The line is, they... uh, uh, They pay me in riches, yet I am poor, for I am a river to my people. I am a river to my people, yeah, yeah. But they convince him. He also has another great line in here. They convince. They rely on his his sense of honor to attack to uh, join them to attack Aqaba, yeah. because it would be at his pleasure. They also try to convince him that they have a big chest of gold there. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, there's money in Aqaba, man. Come on. And the line is, "Thy mother, <laughs> thy mother married a scorpion." <laughs> <laughs> um. So he agrees to go, but uh oh, there's a fight. Yeah. And it turns out one of one of uh, Sharif's men killed one of um, the guys in uh, Wadaram, and they boy, this is going to turn bad because everybody's insulted. Yeah, and someone's got to figure out how to how to fix this. And so Larry's like, "Hey, I know I don't belong to any tribe. I can I can kill the guy, and everyone will be satisfied." And they're like, "Yeah, good." And so he picks up the gun. And he points it at the guy, and the guy lifts up his head, and it's who, <gasps> Steve? It's Gazim, the guy he rescued from the desert. Oh, oh that's that's and a shame. He says, I can't do this. I'm sorry. Does does that is that what happens? No. What what happens, Steve? He sh- he shoots him a lot. He shoots him dead. <laughs> he shoots him. Actually, they never actually show Gazim. Gazim actually in panic falls over. And as you watch Peter O'Toole shoot him, he's not dying right away. He's, like, moving around, yeah. and he shoots him, like, nine times. Yeah, hey, you know, if you're going to do it, make sure it gets done. Uh-huh. And here's some interesting bits on this. The gun that he gave his guide, that got his guide killed, is the same gun that uh, Sharif picks up um, in that same yeah. scene and tucks into his belt, which is the same gun yeah. that that uh, Lawrence Olivia, uh, Lawrence Olivia got, <laughs> Lawrence pulls out of his gun belt to shoot Gassim. Yep. Gun kind of becomes a big symbol in this movie, <laughs> without it being beaten over your goddamn head. Right? It's not even. It's 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 there. So if you notice it, you pick it up, and it adds to the movie. Oh, yeah. But it's not like mm-hmm. underlined, so you can't possibly miss it. Get it? Right, it's the exactly. same gun. <laughs> anyway, so he kills the dude, and he seems, uh, you know, a little fucked up about it. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. To say the least. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And then they go to go fuck up the Turks, 
and then they go fuck up the Turks. They do, in short order. <laughs> yeah, about a billion of them ride <laughs> right in, <laughs> and the Turks all run away or get killed, and um, uh, Larry goes up to the ocean and is looking out at the ocean, and Sharif throws flowers at him as a garland, and Larry's being introspective, and then um, Anthony Quinn's character destroys the radio looking for money. And now no one can radio to Cairo to tell him that they took Aqaba. Yeah. Right? Oops. Thanks, Tony. And, mm-hmm. and um, he goes, I'm going to, uh, Larry goes, I'm going to ride to Aqaba. I'm going to go get your money. Don't worry. I'm going to get your money. I'm going to get guns and stuff. And Sharif is like, you wouldn't make it. I'll go. And <laughs> Larry goes, you can't go. And <laughs> Sharif goes, oh, I get it. Because I'm one of those stupid, filthy, primitive savages. Right. And instead of saying no, <laughs> that's not it. He basically agrees he's like, with him. Uh, yeah. While, while calling him, well, what does he say? He's he's ignorant, not ignorant. Does he say he's ignorant? Does he? He says yes. Yeah, he says you're an ignorant man or something like that. Yes, yeah, thank you. You are an ignorant man. He's also a little full of himself at this point. Oh yeah, because he's taken Akam. Oh yeah. He 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 refer he. He compares himself to Moses. Yeah, well, yeah, because to get to Cairo from there, in short order, he has to cross Sinai. And uh, uh, Tayi says, you know, well, you can't do that. And he says, well, Moses did it. And as he's riding away, mm-hmm. Tayi's like, but Moses was a prophet. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, ah, fuck it. I can do it. Uh-huh. So uh, that goes perfectly well, and he goes to Cairo and reports back, right? Yeah, nothing happens. It's without it. Nothing uh, happens. Well, I mean, one of his one oh. of his servants dies in quicksand. But other than that... You mean Daoud. Daoud dies yeah, in, Daoud, in, quicksand. Uh, falls in quicksand. And we've well established that Daoud and um, his other friend are very close friends. Yes, they're like, inseparable. Yeah. And now they're separated <laughs> by death. Yep. Oops. <laughs> Sorry. And uh, that fucks up uh, Larry a little bit, where he just kind of goes into a stupor. Yeah. But they make it to the Suez Canal. And then uh, a motorcyclist, a lone motorcyclist, uh, triggers an existential crisis in Lawrence. (laughs) By shouting, who are you from across the canal? And he's like, like, that's exactly uh... what I've been asking myself (laughs) this whole time. (laughs) Who am I? (laughs) Can you tell me, motorcycle man? Yeah, Farage is just, just tell him your name. Just say your name. <laughs> anyway, they get a ride in a truck back to Cairo. Yep. They get out of the truck. They go storming into the headquarters. And they're going to go have a lemonade. And, oh, yeah, uh, the British are fucking racist. Yeah, they're not They're not too keen to see uh, the, the young Arab Farage. And they're not too happy to see Lawrence show up dressed in robes. Yeah. Like, what the hell is and this? What's he all about then? And why? And they say a, a racist term over and over again in regards to uh, Farage. They call him a wog. Yes. They say it a lot in this movie. And um, it's pretty clear that uh, Larry is um, Larry's gone with the little crackers. Yeah. Because the commander is like, hey, come on up, come on up, and we'll talk about this. You took Akaba, that's great. And um, so he's crazy with guilt. And holy shit, does Peter O'Toole act the crap out of this scene. <laughs> he makes it perfectly clear that this man is not, he's not good anymore. He's just like, no, no, no more. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was hot shit. And then I got his kid killed 
and you guys are pricks, and I don't want to be in this position anymore. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> but they tell him he's got to go back. Yeah. He's got to go back. You got to go back. You got to keep doing the stuff. And they play on, and they play on the one thing that will guarantee that that'll work. What's that, Steve? Well, they they tell him that he's the only one that can do it. His self importance. They play on his on his pride, and then they they also say, oh, they they don't quite promise, but they they highly imply that when the war's over, the Arabs will be able to control their own land, which is something that has become very important to Lawrence. Mm-hmm. He says, do, do the do the British have any plans for? Do the British have any designs for Arabia? And the generals like, uh, not, uh, no, no, no. As as eyes looking around all over the place. No, no, uh, no. <laughs> No, not, not that I've heard. We don't want this country at all. No, like, like we, like like the British come in and impose authority on other people's countries. That doesn't sound when like us. When have we ever? When have we ever? <laughs> you shut up, India. No one asked you. <laughs> okay, and so uh, he agrees to go, and then they cut to a scene of the three basically leaders in this whole thing the British guy, the other British guy and the other British guy (laughs) (laughs) all walking in unison away from the camera intermission (sighs) I'd like to point out that at this point it's two hours and I don't know how many minutes into the movie right? yeah the intermission isn't exactly in the middle It's, (laughs) it's like it's way in Yeah, it's deep in there and we're like, oh, good, more music. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> and you're like, this movie is beautiful, but I don't know if I like it. <laughs> <laughs> so we cut back. We come back from intermission, and um, we meet a reporter, that dick reporter from the beginning of the movie. Yes, Jackson Bentley. And he's like, are you Prince Faisal? And he's like, I'm a man in rags in the road. And he's like, okay, are you Prince Faisal? I'm a woman. Okay, are you Prince Faisal? I'm five years old. Okay, fine. Ah, Jesus. (laughs) Finally finds Prince Faisal. And he's like, I'm I'm from America, and we want to get uh, America into the fight, and we're looking for a hero to inspire guys to come, you know, adventure and and swashbuckly stuff, and we want that's what we want, right? Yeah, yeah. Have I got the man for you? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And um, he go they goes out he goes out there, and then Larry blows up a train. Yes, he does. And and the uh, Howitat, what were the, is the Howitat? The, the, the Howitat, yeah, the ha- yeah. yeah, something like that. They go in, they take all the stuff, he gets shot by a dude, and then he just stands there as yeah. the guy keeps trying to shoot him, until Anthony Quinn comes up and just chops him up in the meat, and then <laughs> the reporter's like, I've never seen anybody killed by a, by a sword before. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of messed up. Do they do that a lot? <laughs> yeah, they do. <laughs> like pretty much every day, yeah. And um, then we have interview with a conflicted narcissist. <laughs> yes. Yes. Where he basically asks a couple of questions of him, and he keeps saying things like, they want their freedom, I'm going to give, the, give it to them. Right. So if you had any doubts about how self-important he is, yeah. there you go. Mm. <laughs> it's gone to his head a bit. Just yeah. a tiny bit. It's called a messianic complex, and he's yeah. got it. Well, you see that when he when they take that train and he does his little dance up on the on the train car, he like kind of marches around and twirls in his robes and lets everybody look at him with his arms like, oh, okay. out. Yeah, they call so, Shira's name. Yeah, 
And so uh, then, you know, uh, Anthony Quinn's like, I need to do, I need to steal something honorable because I, I bought this clock and it doesn't work. And they're like, okay. And so they steal some horses. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Blow up another chain, steal horses. And the indication is, is that all of the people are riding off for the winter. They're going to be gone for the winter. They'll come back next year, right? Right, right. Never actually happened in real life, but that's what's in the movie. That's what's happening. <laughs> and Lawrence is, is going to go, well, you know what? I'm going to go to Dara. And they're like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. Dara is uh, Dara's under the control of the Turks. Yeah. It's like completely cordoned off. If you want to get arrested and tortured and killed... Uh, no, we're not going to do it. And he's like, I'm going to take these guys and we're going to go do it. <laughs> oh, okay. And I'm like, um, okay. Have fun <laughs> getting tortured and killed, I guess. <laughs> but they go. And um, guess what happens? Like, almost immediately. <laughs> Does he get arrested? Well, here's the thing. <laughs> There's a, a thread going through here that um, Larry thinks that he can pass as an Arab. Right. This lily white, blonde haired, <laughs> blue eyed, <laughs> six foot four, six foot four Englishman. The first group of soldiers they walk past, they all go, What was that? <laughs> hey, <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> so he gets arrested, right? Yeah. He's in the lineup, and uh oh, it's Jose Ferrer. Oh boy, and he's only got one scene, so he's going to make the most of it. Oh, yeah. And he- <laughs> gets everybody out and he talks to him and then he pinches Larry's nipple or something. Mm-mm-mm. Ted caresses his tender flesh or something. Yeah. I don't know what happened there exactly. But he it was a bad touch. And Larry yeah, didn't was, like the yeah. bad touch. And so he punches him and and Jose Ferrer goes, beat him and they beat him and then they put him they lay him out on a table and they start whipping him, right, Steve? Yeah, they give him the full Jesus. They give him the full Jesus <laughs> Well not the not full quite. Jesus. Yeah, but... not quite. The day then, before, you know. Then they dump him on the street, Yeah. right? Yep. And uh, Sharif finds him, takes him up to the winter grounds, there's some snow on the ground, and he's, again, Larry is, like, having, just like any narcissist who finds out that he's not as great as he, as he is, <laughs> Yeah. he goes into a, a fucking fugue state, just like he did last time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Didn't you just do this? <laughs> Yeah, and he says, I was wrong, I was too cocky, I was arrogant, I'm, I'm done. I'm going to yeah, go I'm back done. home, sh- I'm going to go back to the British. I'm always going to be a white dude, and yeah. there's nothing I can do about it, so I'm, I'm, I'm leaving, goodbye. And that's what he does, doesn't he? Yeah. Goes, he goes back, back to Cairo. Yeah, yeah, goes back to Cairo, puts on his uniform, discovers that the people, that his own people are jerks. <laughs> Just fucking jerks. Yeah. He finds out that France and England want to share Arabia. Yeah. Oh, so that thing I asked if they were going to do, and you said no, but now they're yeah. going to totally do it. Oh, okay, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Great. And he's like, oh, these guys are jerks. And then they say, you got to go back, right? Then yeah, because they, they want to take Damascus. Right. Yeah. And once again, he's like, no, don't you get it? I don't want to. I thought I was hot shit, and I'm not. Let me go off and do something else where I can pretend to be really great. And they're like, nope. <laughs> And then they play on, on his fucking ego again. Oh, yeah. And it works. And he <laughs> says, 
I'm and again he says like uh, they are going to take Damascus because I'm going to give it to them and I was like when did it become yours to give you asshole <laughs> yeah and it, it is it's it's amazing how quickly he he flips from you know despair to back to the mm-hmm. ego trip where he's like oh and, and I'm going to recruit an army and yeah some of them will come for money but the best will come for me. Like, oh, and oh, you great. definitely get a sense that everybody is manipulating him. Oh, yeah. The army oh, is yeah. manipulating him. Prince Faisal's manipulating him. Everybody. He's become a very convenient little tool. So he shows up, and they're going to go take a Damascus. But something's a little different this time, right, Steve? Yeah, yeah. And uh, Ali notices it. Uh, Sharif, he's yeah. like... Because yeah, he's uh, like, Larry he is surrounded out. by a group he, of mercenaries. Bounty hunters from yeah. Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. Know? Dengar and the IG-88 are riding on camels next to him. And... No disintegrations. <laughs> he hires a bunch of really awful mercenaries that all have prices on their heads from other because they're criminals and bad guys. Yeah. And Sharif is like, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm, uh, leave me alone. I know what I'm doing. Shut up. I'm Lawrence of Arabia. <laughs> My name's on the title of this picture. Yeah. And they come across a tiny little town called Tafis. Yep. And it's not and doing so good. It, it's seen better days. Like, yeah. you know, when everyone was alive. Yeah, everybody's <laughs> kind of dead in and the town. And that's because as the Turks were pulling out, they decided, hey, let's kill and rape everybody. And they did. And yep. as you can understand, a lot of people are pretty upset about this, including Larry. Yeah. Come over a rise and they see the Turkish army kind of beaten cheeks. <laughs> and one of the dudes is like no prisoners. Yeah, well, because he, like, he's actually from that village. He's from that village, and yeah. and it's, something we didn't cover is that the first time he came back and he described killing Gassim, he said that he liked doing it. That yeah, was something that was part that, of what upset him so much. That's part of what really upset yeah. him a lot. And now he's just seen this town full of dead people. A lot of people are like. Let's fucking kill him, including um, including uh, Anthony Quinn, who's already yeah. got his sword out. <laughs> come on, come on, come on. <laughs> and the only person that is like, we need to go to Damascus. This is not, Dam- we're going to Damascus. Right. But uh, boy, Larry just pulls out his sword and he says what? Well, first, the, the guy from the village rides down oh, that's and, right. says, and says no prisoners and gets rides shot out. by the Turks. Yeah, he gets shot by the Turks. And then they turn to Lawrence and he hesitates for a moment and then cries out, no prisoners, and leads them charging down. And they charge down and they slaughter everybody. Yep. And uh, Larry goes a little cuckoo bananas. <laughs> yeah. To the point in which he's scaring everyone, including Sharif. <laughs> yeah, Sharif is like, I'm not sure about this anymore. <laughs> But then they kill everybody. Then they go to Damascus. They get there ahead of uh, ahead of the British. Yeah. They've set up their own little kind of parliament deal. And it turns out that war is way easier than politics. <laughs> yeah, they're having trouble keeping everything running. The electricity's off or the water's mm-hmm. off. They're, yeah, the phones it's, it's, are out. The phones are out. Everything's Part of the a mess. the city catches on fire. Yeah. Yeah, Every- and then they can't do... They, the fire brigade doesn't know what to do because they don't have electricity. And, yeah, the it's, tribes it's are mess. fighting one another. Old animosities are popping up. And the British are just like... <laughs> <laughs> and then a lot of the tribes leave. Yeah. They're like, fuck this. <laughs> Anthony Quinn tries to get Larry to come with him back to the desert. Yeah. He doesn't. He stays there. 
Um, everybody seems upset and disappointed. You know, Sharif is now going to have to become a politician. Yeah. And um, the British, what is it? Oh, and then Faisal comes back, right? Yeah. And he's like, time for politics. You're not needed anymore, Lawrence. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Faisal negotiates with uh, Dryden, the, the, the Claude yeah. Rains character, and the general. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And they're like, he was a useful idiot. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, now that that's over. Let's discuss how we're going to handle this. So basically what they agree to is is that it's going to be like a British waterworks, but it's going to have an Arabian flag on it, basically. Yeah. That's how they're gonna that's how they're gonna fix everything. And now we have a scene, a final shot of the movie, the final the final ending of the movie is a perfect summation of everything that's happened in the film. Right? Yeah. He's driving down a desert road. He passes by some soldiers, which is which is what he was at the beginning of the film, right? Yep. Kind of downtrodden, you know, kind of quiet soldiers. Then he passes by some Bedouins on camels riding along, yeah. which is what he was in the, center, the middle of the film. And then he drives uh, a truck drives past, uh, which there are exuberant soldiers singing, yeah, because now the war is over and all that other stuff. And what overtakes them, Steve? It's uh, someone riding a motorcycle. Yeah, at breakneck yeah. speed. And then we cut to his face, and does he look happy? <laughs> no, not so he, much. He looks broken. He looks broken. You know, it's the only time that he he uh, pays attention to anything during that last that last scene is when he passes better when he actually stands up in the he car. He stands up, yeah. Look. The end. The end. <laughs> Happy jolly music again. <laughs> <laughs> well, goodbye, folks. Enjoy your drive home. Thanks for joining us for Lawrence of Arabia. <laughs> the light. Cha- you know, you're just sitting there going, there was no single woman in this movie. There was, no, I mean, what? Does he even like girls? Don't say that about him. Well, it's valid. Just, I mean, it's a legitimate question. <laughs> I'm just. I'm not passing judgment, no. Justine. I'm just curious. <laughs> well, I thought he was handsome. Ah, I bet you did. I did. Yeah. I'm gonna need some alone time tonight. Yeah. Well, so am I. Oh, for what? For. <laughs> Look, I'm not. You're not the only person who can find men attractive. Wait, what? We've just, been married for 35 years. Well, there's a conversation coming. I knew it. Barney's more than just a bowling partner. You shut your mouth. You keep Barney's <laughs> name out of your mouth! <laughs> okay, Steve. Yes, yes, yes. <sighs> How, what do you think of this cinematic masterpiece? <laughs> the epic film, Lawrence of Arabia. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> um... <laughs> I I'll tell you what I I as I as I alluded to when we were talking before we started recording I, I have very conflicting feelings about about this movie in particular and and about epic films like this in general um, and it, the the reason is that technically obviously the film is marvelous it's perfect it's beautiful visually stunning just flawlessly executed we we talked about a little bit just the the amount of thought and attention to detail that went in to crafting it from the shooting to the editing everything is just so meticulous and 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 carried off so well it's absolutely gorgeous um the acting is superb 
Peter O'Toole, this was his first big role and his career-making role, and it should have been because he's fantastic yep. um, and, and, and has a lot to do, like plays oh, a lot of oh, different there's facets. There's so much scenery to chew. <laughs> and plays so many different facets of this character and mm-hmm. is able to pull it off and make us believe when he's manic, when he's depressed, when he's full of himself. Every, I mean, he really, he really does a good job, um, especially playing a character that is so enigmatic and so sort of difficult to pin down mm-hmm. um, and still able to, to make him compelling and make us want to, to follow him. And then Omar Sharif is, is terrific. Anthony Quinn is amazing. Um, Claude Rains is Claude Rains, which is always good, and I'll take as much of that as you've got. Like I love, I always love Claude Rains. Um, Alec Guinness is, you know, he's Alec Guinness. He's the chameleon again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's he's gives a very a, a very strong performance. Not exact, not not necessarily the performance you come away from the film thinking about the most, but yeah. But, but I mean, I, if the last time you saw him was Bridge Over the River Kwai, oh yeah, and then this, it's like two different people. Yeah, and abs- and very a very solid performance. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, and thematically, there's a lot of interesting things going on. I, I I enjoyed the the sort of reversal that happens with Lawrence and Sharif, where mm-hmm. by the end of the movie, Lawrence is the one who has. Uh, I mean, obviously, he's very conflicted about it, but he's the one who's become more violent and mm-hmm. more and and more brutal while Ali has become disillusioned with violence and says at the end he's going to become a politician and becomes sort of almost westernized in a way yeah. um at the end and I, I I enjoy that that transition um I like I like the fact that the movie is rooted in Lawrence's identity and his quest for an identity and we get all of these clues about you know why he feels sort of unmoored to everything that he was uh he was born out of wedlock he in, in a sense mm-hmm. he wasn't given an identity by society because he was born out of wedlock so he's tr- constantly trying to figure out who he is and where he fits in and mm-hmm. he doesn't he doesn't feel like he fits in with his fellow british soldiers he thinks he fits in with the arabs but then that doesn't quite work out either um and that's a, a a very bold choice to yeah. to to root an epic movie like this in that kind of a, of a, a quest for identity with with the main character, and it mm-hmm. gives everything a lot of emotional weight because there's a lot of scope and a lot of spectacle. But but rooting it in a, a character like that that is constantly shifting and searching makes it it gives it some some gravitas and and makes it feel a little more focused than it otherwise might be yeah. and and it allows david lean to give us an ending that is not a happy ending despite no. despite the sweep and the epic quality and despite the the gorgeous cinematography and the battle scenes and there are certainly there are moments of triumph but ultimately it's not a happy ending because no. lawrence leaves Arabia without mm-hmm. without achieving his most desired objective which was to give Arabia to the Arabs and without really resolving his identity he still doesn't quite know who he if is anything, or where he belongs he's worse off at the at the end of this movie yeah. than he was at the beginning if yeah, i can absolutely. just interject at yeah. the beginning he's assured of himself right oh very much he thinks he knows who he is he thinks he's different from everybody else he thinks he's special he thinks he's unique and when he's leaving it's almost as if he's been a ra- like he's been a chalkboard that's been erased yeah and he has desires I, th- there's no doubt in my mind that this character wants to go back to the desert there's, oh sure that that's at least i don't know if that's factually accurate we're just talking about in the in the yeah. in the movie and the simple fact is is that he's not going back. This is a downer ending of <laughs> right. downer endings. Yeah. 
Sorry. Yeah, no, it's you're absolutely right. Um, so I, I have I say all of that in praise of the movie, and, and <laughs> it's and it's 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 brilliant and it's beautiful. Um, but as is the case with most epic films like this. And this was my feeling about Dr. Zhivago as well, although you, you haven't seen it. But um, I felt very much the same at the end of, of that movie, which is I'm left kind of cold. Like I, mm. I, ad- I admire it tremendously, but I don't love it. You know, yeah. I, I don't feel an emotional attachment to it like I would need to feel in order to truly consider it one of my absolute favorite movies. Like it, it impresses me to no end, but it doesn't really touch me. Um, mm-hmm. In moments it does, but overall, like and when I look back on it, I don't think I don't have a, a feeling of, of love for it like right. I do for other films that I feel very close to. Um, but then again, when I when I think about that, I think, well, you know, Lawrence himself, the character and the actual historical figure is kind of that way, too. He's sort of an enigma where you mm-hmm. don't feel you, you can learn a lot about him and 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 have gather a lot of information about him. But he feels just out of reach. Mm-hmm. So maybe the movie's on theme for that. I mean, not everybody feels that way. There are people who do truly deeply love this movie. But but for me, it's more of a, a, of a sort of a, a separated an admiration from a distance like i'm 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 in the i'm in the art museum and i'm gazing at the painting from behind the line and i can recognize that it's it's meticulous and and gorgeous and perfect but it just doesn't get to me it doesn't move um, you it doesn't move me like 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 my favorite art does um and also i i have to mention uh in line with uh, the the kind of movie it is and and also the just how 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 complex it is, uh, despite its its brilliance and its many very justly celebrated virtues, we have to mention that this movie is probably the most prominent example of uh, the white savior trope. We oh, have yeah. we have a lead character who is a white but man. But it subverts. Here's the interesting well, part. Yeah, about that. it subverts that trope almost immediately. Oh, it, it absolutely does. It absolutely does because um, it and and it 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 deals with it very complexly because yeah. Lawrence first of all because it's sort of self-aware because Lawrence himself he's not just a white savior to us the audience because he's because the movie centers on him he mm-hmm. becomes he comes to view himself yes, as a exactly. messianic figure and then he's and then he's forced to sort of face the reality that that's not who he is or he, that he can't do everything he wants to do uh, that he's just and flesh that and blood no one actually the people that are closest to him don't see him that way right Right. Yeah. That, that that's all just illusory. Mm-hmm. Um, so so yeah, you're right. It does subvert it, and it deals with it in a very complex, in a much more complex way than a lot of films that are guilty of this of this sin. But nevertheless, despite that, we still have a three and a half hour movie about the Arab Revolt. Yeah. With a white man at the center of it. So mm-hmm. it, it is it is a great film, and it is definitely of 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 the many films that you could tag with the white savior trope. Um, it's probably it's it's the most famous example, but but it's probably also one of the best examples because it is self-aware and it does sort of deconstruct it. Um, but at the same time, it's probably also an example of something that future filmmakers in that respect should try to avoid everything else about the movie. Let's abs- let's try to emulate it and, and improve on it because it's it's brilliant and gorgeous and just yeah. absolutely amazing. But that one aspect, maybe if you're going to tell a story about about a, a great event in, in Arab history, maybe don't focus the whole thing on a white guy. Um, but yeah, <laughs> but but yeah, other than that, and uh, other than my my reservations about the emotional distance that I sort of feel from it, uh, yeah. brilliant film. Absolutely brilliant film. One of the mm-hmm. one of one of the greatest films ever made. I have to say. So yeah. There you go. So I mean, I I feel uh, I'm not as 
removed from... Okay, let me put it this way. I'm not emotionally invested in this story. Okay, I'm not. I find the story that they're trying to tell fascinating because, for the most part, the lead protagonist in this film is someone that any normal person would not necessarily like all that much. (laughs) Um, But they focus on him predominantly. I don't think that the filmmakers are trying to get us to like him. No. Right? He's an enigmatic figure from history, and he's an enigmatic kind of figure in this movie. And it very much follows the story of someone who is such a narcissist that any time he has to confront reality, he goes into such a malaise. And the only thing that draws him back out again is to play to his ego, right? right? He did he did some he did some great things in the campaign, sure. But he likes to take credit for everything. <laughs> <laughs> he likes the adulation. He's happiest when people are, you know, you know, giving him praise and all that other stuff. There's even a moment when he gets shot where I think he honestly believes that the only thing that can kill him is a golden bullet. That's what he tells the That's what he says, reporter. yeah. yeah. <laughs> and every time he has his mortality or when his actions cause, causes the deaths of someone that, that he knows or is close to him, or if he is not directly the cause of that death, it really... F- fucks with him because while he is a narcissist he still has a certain sense of internal morality about him right this is one of the most conflicted characters i've ever seen portrayed on in film this is 1962 if this movie had been made 10 years earlier it would have starred john fucking wayne and it, <laughs> there would have been a love interest they would have just thrown everything else out no, there wouldn't have been an act, a single Arabian actor or someone from the Middle East in the movie at all whatsoever. It would have been fucking filmed in Nevada, <laughs> yeah. and you know, and it would have probably been an hour and a half long. And he would have gotten everything that he wanted to get done. He wanted, you know, the, he would have been the hero that accomplishes everything that he wants to accomplish, right? The Arabs are free. And he would have said, well, you're all free now. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome. And he'd walk down a hallway and it would say John Ford film or some fucking shit. I don't know. (laughs) But this was the transition into movies that we can start telling that are a little bit not nearly as black and white. Right? Kwai had that. Bridge over the River Kwai has a great story arc for one of the main characters who totally loses his way. And if you haven't seen that movie, go see that movie. <laughs> but in in this one, this one is someone who is desperately searching for himself, and every time he thinks he finds it, he's wrong. And that's an interesting thing to that, that's an interesting story to tell. I wish more movies were doing that. They're not. <laughs> <laughs> but like I said, I'm not emotionally invested into the movie. What I like about the movie is the cinematography, the editing, the artfulness of it. The very the, the very fact that there's so much of this movie that is told in metaphor. Not like we have a trippy scene where there's like flowers dancing or, or something like that. But like the way he frames his shots, if you're watching the movie, reads more into the film, right? Yeah. He's saying things visually, and that's the other thing. There's no, I'm going to hit you over the head with something right now. I'm not going to have, you know, there's nothing here really where the characters say out loud what it is they're, you know, they're feeling or, or thinking, right? Every once in a while, 
um, Peter O'Toole will say something about how something made him feel. But that's a great acting moment because, to be quite honest, it's a surprise to the audience. The first time I watched this movie, and he said, no, because it's like it's being ripped out of him. When he goes back to the house, after he kill, kills Gossim and goes back to Cairo, and and the general is content to keep moving on because uh, apparently the British are uncomfortable with people having an emotional breakdown in front of them. <laughs> oh, and he dear. said there was, there was something, what did he say, there was something off about it. And and he goes, oh well, yes, I understand. He said, no. <laughs> he 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 interrupts him twice so that he can get this thing out that he is he doesn't want to say. It. He says it when he says that he enjoyed killing Kasim, right? Yeah. Well, first time I saw that, I went, oh shit. <laughs> okay, so he wasn't upset because he killed him. He was upset because he enjoyed killing him. <laughs> right. Oh, that's a new color on this character. Oh. <laughs> So I find this movie endlessly interesting as, like like Steve said, a, re- a really good painting, right? But it's not something that I go running back to, you know, over and over again. It's not an uplifting film. It's not a joyous film. But it is... And the first time you watch it, yeah, it's entertaining. But by the third time, I would have to say this is maybe my tenth time watching this movie. <laughs> oh, I feel the length. Oh, I feel the length of this film. And yes, it's still gorgeous, and yes, I appreciate it when, when directors take their time. Oh, God. <laughs> but if you want to know about screen composition, if you want to know what a, the focal length of a lens can do to how a, a movie looks, yeah, you know, if you want to know what it was like to make these movies without CGI or special effects, when, when you had... Um, you know, when you had about a thousand horsemen raid the city of Aqaba, you went out and hired a thousand horsemen to raid yeah. a city that you built. Yeah. <laughs> um, and also, um, even the seti parts where they were filming on set didn't feel like a set. You no. always felt like you were always in that world, right? Yep, absolutely. The transitions from going from a set to... Uh, do you know the balcony scene in when they, when they take Damascus? Mm-hmm. And they're looking out at the fire and all that other stuff? Yeah. Set. Yeah. It doesn't look like a set. No, not at all. <laughs> I was flabbergasted when I heard it was. Um, so if you like the process of filmmaking, right, if you like to be able to watch a film and appreciate cinematic storytelling, but and, and you're not necessarily terribly concerned about becoming swept away with emotion over concern for Lawrence or whatever else, that isn't this movie. And I right. don't think that that was their intent with this movie either. David Lean is not trying to turn Lawrence into a hero. Is no. He? No, I don't think at all. No. No, not at all. No. And and the other thing is, I hadn't watched this film in a little while and I was getting ready to, you know, cringe myself out of existence in their portrayal of people from the Middle East. They're the ones that are usually speaking the most reasonably and rationally throughout the entire film. Yeah. And in point of fact are more than ready to throw in the face the way that they've been treated. That one that one um line where uh, Sharif says, oh, and I can't go because I'm a, a dirty, bloody savage and a wog, yeah. right? Says, oh, they're not dumb. Okay, so the filmmakers aren't dumb. These are people. They're not just caricatures, right? Which this movie, oh, it's balancing on such a line, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> but even though it's white actors, for the uh, most of the main leads, it's done respectfully. 
that's what they did in the 1960s. If they were making this movie now, there would be no reason why, right? Right. But in the 1960s, Hollywood didn't even know that there were other movie industries in the world outside of their own. <laughs> right. <laughs> we were lucky they found Omar Sharif, right? Yeah. You mean they have movies in Egypt? <laughs> Our movies, right? No, they make their own movies? And a lot of the other Middle Eastern actors all came from that area as yeah. well. Some of them didn't speak English, so how were you going to be able to cast them in, in lead roles if they didn't speak English? So I'm going to cut it some slack. But yeah. for the most part, like with Steve, I'm a little conflicted. I'm gonna, I recommend the movie, and I'm confirming that it is a classic. This movie inspired not just Steven Spielberg, who basically took everything from this movie and put it into Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. Anytime he went to the desert, that's where he is. Hey, guess who else was inspired this movie and also featured a whole bunch of desert in his movie, Steve? <gasps> oh, is it that guy who made that space movie? Yeah, George Lucas and yeah, Tatooine. Yeah, that guy. <laughs> well, actually, you know who I else mean, this it... inspired? Who? Frank Herbert. Oh, my God, yes. <laughs> What if there was, like, a whole planet? What if it was Lawrence Arabia on another planet and he rode worms and stuff? <laughs> that's a spot-on Frank Herbert, And it also turned out... That's right, this is my Frank by Herbert way. It also turned out that he was actually kind of like a messiah and not just thinking he was. <laughs> that would be cool. I've got... I've, I've, I've got another... Lawrence of Arabia reference to drop on everybody. Mm -hmm. uh, Batman the animated series, Rachel Ghoul, the the the, two, the Rachel Ghoul two parter to to, oh, the, yeah. to the point where they even ape the score. If yeah, you listen, they do. The, the 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 score of the predominant theme of that of those two episodes of Batman the animated series, where it's mostly in the <laughs> desert in Rachel Ghoul's stronghold, that is a total ripoff of <laughs> the famous Lawrence of Arabia theme. So yeah, right. it's a very influential film. Yeah, it is. So, uh, Steve, classic, not classic. Oh, classic! Yeah, I mean, don't any, don't let uh, my sort of lack of uh, emotional attachment to the movie dissuade you from thinking it's a it's a classic. It's it's as I said about The Godfather and about a couple of other films. I mean, it's canonical. It's it's one yeah. of the unavoidable classics of western cinema mm -hmm. if if you if you care about the history of western cinema and you care about the, the the craft of filmmaking uh it's a movie you absolutely have to see yeah no question yep. yeah i take this over gone with the wind any day oh shit yes any day of the fucking week oh and you absolutely. know what's funny gone with the wind didn't really influence much of anything <laughs> yeah. as you pointed out with great delight in our review that's right <laughs> All right, Steve. Ugh, now it's time for us to recommend a movie. Oh, not recommend a movie, I guess. Well, yeah, not recommend. We confirmed it's a classic. It's we a both classic, kind of, yeah. We, we, I think we would have to say we enjoy this movie more than we dislike it, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, Steve, yes. do you have a movie that you would like to not recommend to our, our gentler, gentle listeners? I have a movie that I am going to give a, a very mild not recommendation to, <laughs> because I do like this movie, but I don't, I mean, it's obviously not in the same class as, as Lawrence of Arabia, no. but um, it does sort of speak to one of the unfortunate things, which is the state of Peter O'Toole's career after this movie. Oh boy. He did have he did he did give some other very celebrated and very famous performances, but if you read the dude's filmography, there's a lot of stuff there that's like, oh wow, and he did that too. You know, like he was in Supergirl. Well, 
Yeah, he made a lot of choices because booze. Yeah, and, and you know, hey, fellas got to work. Yeah. You know? And he was like, I'm Peter O'Toole. I'm always, <laughs> going, I'm always going to be Lawrence of Arabia. It doesn't matter what I do now. Um, but anyway, <laughs> I'm not going to say Caligula. Okay. Because he was Thank in that, you. and I'm not going to say that. Although, if, if you're going to not recommend a movie, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> there you go. Uh, no, the movie I am, I, am, I am not recommending, but also maybe kind of recommending, um, is a movie that Peter O'Toole starred in in uh, 1982. It is a comedy about the early years of television. What? Um, <laughs> you better not be not recommending one of my favorite movies. I am not not recommending it. I am I'm on the fence about it. Because I do <laughs> You really better like climb it. down off that fucking fence and be on my side. I do I do I, I like this movie a lot. I like this movie a lot. Okay. Um, and, and it stars one of my personal favorite actors, but I'll get to that in a second. Um yeah, I'm Bulky's I'm my, my my recommendation my recommendation slash not recommendation is my favorite year. Um, oh, you son of a bitch. <laughs> which <laughs> And is, Steve's audio goes out. Hey, 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 can you hear me? Can you hear me? No, listen, I don't want to give the impression that I don't like the movie, because I really do. I really okay. do. Um, I, I, I consider it, I like it without necessarily saying, oh, what a great movie. Like I, but I, I have a lot of affection for it. It's like, the, it's like the opposite of my Lawrence of Arabia reaction, where I have like tremendous admiration for it, but I don't really love it. And this is like the opposite. I have, I have a certain sort of sentimental attachment to my favorite year without necessarily thinking, ah, oh, what, a, what, a, what a timeless cinematic classic that was. Um, but it stars Peter O'Toole as Alan Swan, who is this sort of washed-up yet famous actor who is recruited to be part of a, a live... No uh, relation to Errol Flynn. ...comedy show. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wait, wait a minute. But he's, he's, <laughs> he's recruited to be, to be sort of a guest star on a live comedy show uh, in, in the 50s, in the early years, the, the golden age of television. And he's sort of chaperoned by uh, this young writer for the show, right. played by Mark Lynn Baker... Uh-huh. who is the star of one of my favorite TV shows ever and the best bad sitcom ever made, Perfect Strangers. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, you didn't think I could get a Perfect Strangers reference into a Lawrence of I Arabia I knew that's review. where you were angling the, the, as soon as you said based on it. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so I, I love Mark Lynn Baker. I think he's just an incredibly underappreciated actor. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he, cause he, he, he and Bronson Pinchot made Perfect Strangers a watchable show. And now just, you're just talking about Perfect Strangers. <laughs> just through the sheer force of their charisma, even though the show was terrible. And but anyway, Steve's microphone goes down. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> it is, look, it's not Lawrence of Arabia. Oh, no, it's not. But it has a terrific cast, not only O'Toole and, and Mark Lynn Baker, um, but a lot of faces that you might not necessarily... Joseph rec- Bologna. Yeah, J- yeah J- uh, Joseph Bologna, um, Gloria Stewart, mm-hmm. uh, who, who, is, uh, who was famous later in life for Titanic and was famous earlier in life for uh, starring in uh, The Invisible Man, one of my favorite films. Um, mm-hmm. Lana Clarkson, who, you know, is kind of a tragic figure now, but at, you know, was, was somewhat of a, of a star. And, yeah. um, and, uh, it's, yeah, I, I, I feel bad about having to put it in the not recommend category because I do you like better. it. Um, yeah. but, 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 but that's the deal. But yeah, I just keep it, <laughs> keep it, keep it in mind is what I'm saying. Okay. Now I'm not telling you not to see it, but, but remember that, that Peter O'Toole made a lot of films after Lawrence of Arabia. Some of them, he got awards and nominations all of for the shit. Some of them he, he has made. Would you rather I not talk about my favorite year? <laughs> Phantoms. 
Oh boy, Fucking yeah. Phantoms. Phantoms is is a, is a, is a good one. You uh, said one right in it. Supergirl. Supergirl. You said it. He's not in that one a lot, though. I mean, thank God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, he had a he had a very interesting career um, uh, after oh. after uh, Lords of Arabia. But anyway, my my recommendation slash not recommendation is uh, my favorite year. So there you go. I hope, you can, I hope you can forgive me. <laughs> I hope you can forgive me. <laughs> movie review podcaster to co-host classic movie review. Oh, show. now. Come on. <laughs> uh, wait, till, wait till they see the salary. <laughs> you might not get too many callbacks. You know what I'm saying? All right. Okay. Steve's stabbing of my heart aside. Oh, honey. There was... Uh, as you guys know, I like to not recommend a movie from the same year as the movie that we just watched. And there was a movie that came out this year that I fucking hate. <laughs> <laughs> this will be good. Hey, Steve. Hey, Steve. Yeah, man. Do you like real-life animal cruelty captured on film for our entertainment? Oh, you know, now that you mention it, not so much. Hey, do you like relationships between a man and a woman with a 30-year age difference? I mean, not necessarily. Hey, do you like a movie that has almost no plot? Oh, I probably wouldn't like that a lot, no. Where there's nothing in there to, to, to triumph over or struggle against? <laughs> hey, Steve, do you think romance and action should never be combined? I, you know, it depends. Hey, Steve, do you like movies where white people are the central characters and the people that are native to the country that they're in are put in the background and only speak in their native language but are actually dubbed by white American actors to sound like jungle people? Oh, now I don't care for that. No, sir. The The movie that I am not going to recommend is the romance action adventure movie, and I think it was directed by Howard Hawks. Ooh. And stars John Wayne and Red Buttons. Oh, boy. Is everybody's favorite, Hatari. Oh. <laughs> yeah, man. It's the fun little movie about these guys who run down animals and capture them to send them to zoos. <laughs> what a heroic And the movie group. starts with a super fun chasing down a white rhino. <laughs> Yay. In real life. <sighs> Oh, this movie is awful. This movie is long and boring and awful. Um, there is supposed to be a romance between John Wayne and this French woman, and they are literally 30 years apart. John Wayne is really showing his age, yeah. and it's just creepy because this girl, even though I know she's close to 27, looks like she's 18. Mm. And yeah. they get married by the end of the movie, and the, and the implication is that this old man is fucking her, and it's gross. <laughs> the only <laughs> lasting thing from Hatari that anyone might know is that Henry Mancini wrote this tiny little piece of music called Baby Elephant Walk for the movie. Oh, yeah, that that, that timeless piece of music that Homer Simpson dances to. That's right. As Dancing Homer. That's from Hatari. Yeah. That's all it's got to offer, guys. <laughs> There's this great scene where Red Buttons inv- invents a-, a machine that can throw a net over a tree and capture 500 monkeys at once. Oh, boy. Don't, don't, don't you want to see that? <laughs> <laughs> 
the bulk of this movie is literally okay. Do you remember the ten minute scene from Jurassic Park two where they're on their little things and they're capturing the dinosaurs? Yeah, take out dinosaurs. <laughs> Put one animal in which four trucks are chasing them, in which they chase the animal until it's exhausted, and then they tie it up, and they put it in a box, and they ship it away. That's the bulk of this movie, guys. It's, it's there's, noth- there's nothing. There's nothing. There's no unscrupulous person. That There's no fighting. There's nothing. And it was shot in Africa, and it was it's just god-awful. Don't watch it, okay, please? <laughs> John Wayne just really wanted to go to, to on safari, I guess. I guess so. So that's it. What do you guys think? Do you guys hate Lawrence of Arabia? <laughs> do you guys agree with me that Steve is a fucking psychopath for not liking <laughs> what is probably one of the best comedies that I ever saw when I was 13? I said I do like it, though. I'm not listening to you anymore. <laughs> You're not my friend. You're not the person I thought you were. What do you guys think? Is it going to be hard for me to find someone else to host this show, which I have immediate chemistry? I don't know. I'm scared for the future. Open auditions, just like when uh, Gene Siskel died. Oh, that worked out great, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yay, Roper. Mm. Yay. <laughs> Sloppy seconds. Anyway. Oh, now? What? Just... None of them could... None of them could carry Siskel's fucking underwear, but I mean... I like how you just kind of slipped in the idea that you and Siskel are, you know... <laughs> We're pretty much the same. Yeah, for the most part. Yeah, you know. Both of you make tragic, horrible decisions about movies. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Siskel, I, 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 I did kind of part with him on, on a few different uh, On times. a few of his reviews. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> no, I'm kidding. He really liked Carnosaur. Wow, that's that's weird. <laughs> I don't care if Steve doesn't like my favorite year. Um, we both have preferences and not preferences, and you know it's okay. It's all right. So if you guys <laughs> have the, the opinions about Larry Rabia, then please send a comment. We like hearing you, right, Steve? Absolutely. That's right. Yeah. Oh, Steve, we gotta do it again. I'm not firing you, Steve. I can't live without you. Oh. If well, our yeah. sketches have meant anything at all, <laughs> I'm developing a, a weird fixation I was, about it. I was going to say, who else would you could you send a sketch like that to without even having to wonder if they would do Where it? Where the implication is, is that what was going to happen next was <laughs> I was going to stretch you out on a table and whip your yeah. naked body. And you, you wrote that, and you said, I'm going to email this to Steve, and I know he'll do it. <laughs> it's never even a question. <sighs> but we got to review another movie, Steve. What's, what 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 we going to do next, partner? Well, I kind of want to change it now because of what happened just recently and make uh, you hurt bad. Oh. Usually what that means is if I make Steve hurt <laughs> bad, hurt that bad. means I hurt bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we've been hurt pretty bad this year. Yeah. So yeah. I think what we are going to do is we're going to do a tribute review. Oh, boy. We recently lost someone near and dear to Hollywood, Steve. Mm-hmm. And I think it's only fitting that we take one of his most famous movies and more than likely not like it. <laughs> oh, boy. I don't know. We might. Yeah. We might. We might like it. It might be good. The actor that we recently lost is Burt Reynolds. Yes, indeed. So, in tribute to Burt Reynolds' career, we are going to review the classic 1970s film, Smokey and the Bandit. There you go. All right. So, if you guys want to get all the jokes, please go out and watch Smokey and the Bandit before the next time this podcast drops. 
And that's it for Late Seating. This has been Jason Harding, and go see a movie this week. And this has been Steve Shives, but my name is for my friends. None of my friends is a murderer. I'd rather be friends with a murderer than someone who hates my favorite year. I don't hate it. I just... This is an homage to the classic days of television, which, Steve, when which, it was live. Which I'm a huge funny. fan of. Sure, it kind of makes fun of Filipino people at some point in the movie, but I don't care. Look, I could never hate anything that had Marklin Baker in it. Are you sure about that? He got, he got, me, when I, he got me when I was young, and I'm just... <laughs> it's just not a possibility. Is he slowly turning into the Pillsbury Doughboy, by the way? I just saw a picture of him. He doesn't look the same. I would say he's slowly turning into Benjamin Franklin. <laughs> <laughs> and whatever happened to Balky? Uh, yeah, you know what? He, ha- he, he used to have a show, like a home improvement show, where he like renovated old houses, but then that got canceled. And then I think like he sued somebody or he got... I don't know. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's it's been kind of a rocky career for him. Oh. Yeah. Let me guess. You love Perfect Strangers back when you were, I don't know, a larva. Yes, right? yes. That was, okay. It was my first favorite show. Yep. Wow. When I was a kid. That's... It was the first show that I thought of as my favorite show. Mine was Star Trek. Okay, but, you know, you're like ten years older than me. Uh-huh. I'm just saying is all. Uh, we should probably end it before we start the real fist fight. I role-played Star Trek The Next Generation with some of my friends in our classroom in elementary school. What? So, just... I'm just saying, don't... Hey, wait, how did you role-play it? We what were, were you doing? We were. It was recess, and it was raining, so we were playing recess inside, and I got... And was, he went, hey, fellas! Let's, anybody else watching Star Trek? And it was during the first season, so it wasn't even good yet, and I was already a fan. And I was like... <laughs> Sit down, Steve. We're not interested in playing with you and your stuffed dog. And I found the... I, I grabbed the blind kid, and I said, you're Jordy. <laughs> Stop! I grabbed the tall, hairy kid who looked like he'd been held back a few years and said, you're Riker. <laughs> uh-huh. And you grabbed a potted plant and said, this is Wesley. This is Wesley. He sits up front for some reason. <laughs> and I shaved my head and said, I'm the captain. <laughs> When did the teacher come back? <laughs> and did all the rest of the students run up and grab her? Please. Oh, get us out. Please get us out. Can we have half a day? We really do. We just want to go home. <laughs> I wasn't blind before. I am now. <laughs> he blew chalk in my eyes on purpose. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Late Seating is a Let Me Listen podcast production featuring Steve Shives and Jason Harding. Produced by Jason Harding. Theme music, Rollin' at Five, composed and performed by Kevin McLeod. You can find more Let Me Listen podcast productions at our website at www.letmelistenpodcast.com. You can also find us on Stitcher, iTunes, or just about anywhere you download podcasts. Late Seating is a listener-supported podcast. If you would like to support Late Seating or any of the other Lemmy Listen productions for as little as $1 a month, please visit our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash Listen. And thanks for listening.